All right, welcome to the Pega Deep Dive Podcast. My name is Michael. I'm your host. Thank you for listening in. Uh, again, if you're a follower, sorry that it's been a while since I've released an episode, but I'm hoping to start releasing some more content more regularly. So I figured today I was thinking about some design things just in my free time here with uh, everything going on. I've been on the bench a while for my consulting company, and to keep my skills sharp, I went through some courses through Peg Academy, but to me it's usually easiest to keep your skills sharp if you try to do real-world scenarios. And so I tried to think of just kind of an application to build from the ground up. And uh, a lot of you probably don't know me, but I also own some real estate on the side, and I manage it myself as an investment, managing the tenants and everything, as well as maintenance, blah, blah, blah. So along with that comes the process of doing an eviction in certain situations, but pretty much if you've invested in real estate for any marginal amount of time, with any number of units, I mean, you're going to do an eviction. So the point is, I have done some evictions before, and the process is extremely archaic. Uh, For those of you that don't know, in order to evict someone in pretty much all jurisdictions, but I've only dealt with two, two different states, two different counties, but the point is, you have to go through a long, slow process that's almost all on paper and done by foot. And by that, I mean you have to literally go building to building, place to place, delivering notes and notices to tenants, to offices, to the county office, to the sheriff. So I figured it'd be really helpful to design an application for that. Again, um, I've not never been on the sales side of software or Pega, so who knows if this is viable for counties or states to purchase. The place where I actually own a lot of real estate is probably way too small to afford PEGA and to be able to buy an application like this. But it's still a good training exercise, and I feel like I have a good amount of experience on the business side to understand what would be good in this application, what a landlord would want, what a tenant would be looking for, and then perhaps what the... the uh, legal jurisdictions would be looking for, like the county or the sheriff's office. So let me run through high level what that application would look like. And then I wanted to kind of get into higher level design. So sorry, I'll, I'll run through the high level business approach, right? What the application needs from just a user perspective, from a goal perspective of the business. And then we'll run through how we would design that from a high level in Pega. So with that, let's dig right in then. Uh, Let me explain how the eviction process works currently that I've dealt with. Now, what happens is I'm going to talk about two. uh, There's multiple eviction processes, but we'll start with non-payment of rent, right? The idea that someone's been living there, their rent is due June 1st, and they're not paying rent yet. So what are the timelines, all this stuff? So what happens in most areas, there's a timeline that they're allowed to be late on rent and you can't find them, you can't give them a late fee, and you can't not start the eviction process. For the areas that I own real estate, this is five days, which means if someone's due date for rent is the first of the month, they have until the fifth of the month to pay rent in full and no late fee can be assessed, no eviction can be started. Now come the sixth, you're allowed to charge them a late fee, you're also allowed to start the eviction process. 
Step one of the eviction process usually requires some sort of notice to be delivered, a notice of payment of rent. So in my areas, they require to either deliver a 72-hour notice that rent must be paid within 72 hours, otherwise eviction proceedings will begin, and sometimes it can be a six-day notice depending on when you deliver the notice and such. But those are details that we can deal with later. The point is, the first stage of the eviction process is going to be a timeline, right? So we're a certain number of days after rent is due. And if you're a PEGA developer or any software engineer, you can already kind of see something coming up in your mind, some sort of trigger for, okay, when we've hit this number of days late on rent, we're going to trigger some sort of flow, some sort of process here. Anyways, like I said, starts out, so we're, let's say, rent is due the first, we're already five days late. It is now the sixth of the month. So to begin eviction proceedings, you would submit a 72-hour notice to the tenant. Okay, so this is just between the landlord and the tenant so far. These are the only actors in this case, if you might, or process. So the landlord would fill out a proper form and deliver it to the tenant. Sometimes they can just stick it to the door of the tenant or hand deliver it to the tenant. But the point is they need to notify them, your rent is late, you have 72 hours to pay the rent. Here's how you can pay. If you do not pay rent, then I can start eviction proceedings. So the next step, say the tenant does not pay rent, it has been 72 hours. Now the landlord or property manager can proceed to evict through the courts. So now the landlord would go to a courthouse and fill out the proper form to begin to request an eviction. And this usually obviously requires, you know, information that you fill out about the tenant, about yourself, about the contract, about how much money is owed, your discrepancy that's going on. So you can see this step now only requires the landlord or property manager, the owner of the property, and the court. Those are the only two actors involved in this to this point because the court is requesting a form be filled out and the landlord is putting in information for those individuals. Then the court will schedule a date for your eviction hearing or whatever it's called. And the there's a notice that must be delivered to the tenant. This is usually required to be served, as we see in movies when they always say, you've got served. You have to get a servicer to service or serve this notice to the tenant. And usually you can't do it yourself, so you have to have a third party do it that is not you or the court. Usually you can do this through the sheriff's office if you want, or there's third party servicers that you can hire to do it. So now we see another actor added to this case, if we're looking at it from a development perspective, right? The very first portion, we had the tenant and the landlord with the notice. Then we stepped here and we had the landlord and the court acting together, working on it. And now we've brought in this servicer as a new actor, whether that's the sheriff or someone else. So now we have another actor to worry about. Anyways, that servicer will now take that notice to the tenant's residence and service them the note, or they can actually serve it to them anywhere. But the point is they'll deliver that to the tenant. So if we're thinking of a case, right, we're seeing this case being routed to a servicer perhaps, 
and then the servicer would act upon it and it would be routed to the tenant. Again, there might not be any need for a servicer if we can do this all electronically since we wouldn't need someone to physically attend, but that's besides the point right now. I'm just describing the current process. So as we continue, now the tenant has the option to come to court or not. If they come to court, they can contest the eviction. And again, this is only for the jurisdictions I've dealt with. Evictions can be different all over, but we're just gonna stick to what I know since that's the easiest way of doing this. Anyway, so the tenant can then wait for the court date, say it's usually about a week later, they can show up to court and the landlord shows up as well. And all they have to do is say, I want to contest this eviction. And then they can submit more evidence. The tenant can submit evidence saying, oh, hey, look, I have a receipt. I did pay rent and this landlord's just a shady landlord, whatever, right? And then the court will schedule a court date and then the two actors, the landlord and the tenant, will appear before a judge and settle their dispute. And a, a judge can decide who is right, who's wrong, what has to happen from there. Now, this to me will be an alternate stage, so I'll describe it a little more later. The process of if the tenant decides to contest the eviction. But let's uh, continue with the normal flow and look at if the tenant does not contest the eviction. So in this situation... Uh, we have the servicer delivers the note to the tenant, says, hey, seven days from now, you're going to have a hearing about your eviction. The landlord shows up, the tenant does not show up, so the court rules in favor of the landlord, saying, okay, you can now evict the tenant. That doesn't mean you can go evict them today. That usually means they win the eviction, and they now get another form filled out, right? Again, they're physically at the courthouse. They now receive a form from the court to take to the sheriff's office for eviction, or sometimes they just receive it from the court. But the point is, usually you have, from when you get this notice, you still have another three days, in my jurisdiction I deal with, you still have three days before you can actually evict the tenant if they're still in the place. And so you physically get this form, and you take it to the sheriff's office again. You have to walk and if they're not in the same place, you have to drive there. I mean, right, again, the whole point of this is that it's very intensive as far as takes people there. It takes a human to go place to place. And the reason that I'm so obsessed with this is I actually manage all my rentals across different states, right? I'm, I'm not physically present. So my other rentals are several, well, not several, a couple thousand miles away. And so it is not viable for me to go all the way there just to evict a tenant. But it's also seems pretty unreasonable for me to have to pay someone several hundred dollars just to go fill out a form that I could fill out. But the problem is that I'm not physically there. But yeah, let's continue with the scenario. So now let's say you've completed all this. The court has ruled in the favor of the landlord to evict the tenant. And the tenant is still there three days later. If you go knock on the door, they're still there and they're refusing to leave. Well, now you have all the legal right to take them out of the property, not you, but to go get the sheriff to remove them. So now you have to go to the sheriff's office physically, deliver the note again, requesting eviction. You might even have to go to the court. I can't remember the exact process there, but the point is you have to go to the sheriff's office, request them to evict, and then the sheriff's office shows up. And if the people will not leave, they physically remove them because they have that legal right deemed by the courts. So that is the full eviction process. 
As you can see, it's very detailed, very involved as far as going place to place, and it would be great to automate this and put a lot of it online. So now let's start looking at the design of this from a software or PEGA perspective. From the beginning, like we said, the very first step is the landlord, uh, when the tenant is five days late on rent or more than five days late, the landlord can deliver a 72-hour notice to pay, saying the tenant has 72 hours or whatever timeline to pay rent. So to design this, let's just say, oh yeah, and let's start out and say that the entire eviction process is one case. We'll just make that assumption up front from designing it from a PEGA perspective. So this is, we create a new case called eviction, and from there, the first stage, we're going to start out and say the first stage is notice delivery, or maybe notify tenant. And so in this stage, we're going to be taking care of the step where we notify the tenant and allow them the 72-hour notice. Then the second stage will be the eviction proceedings with the court. So maybe this could be the stage called court process. And we go through all the work of the court, going back and forth, court hearings and whatnot. And then the final stage will be the actual eviction, where we take it to the sheriff and they evict the tenant. Again, I'm just doing a really high-level design from now, and we can tweak it as we go if we see, oh, that was not a viable design. So again, let's start at stage one. We're notifying the tenant. So the software, it'd be really nice if the software could be plugged into our management application but let's just pretend that this is a self-standing software that we use to activate an eviction proceeding manually. So it's been six days, tenant has not paid. We open up, we log into this application, the user's gonna log in and begin the eviction case. So we see stage one, step one, it's gonna be the landlord needs to fill out a form for the 72 hour notice, right? Whatever is required in your jurisdiction for the 72 hour notice, they fill it out, and then the landlord fill this out, fills this out, which likely it'll just be right an assignment in the case. The very first step will just be an assignment assigned to the probably creator of the case because it would be the landlord. They fill it out and hit submit. Now, when they hit submit, we want to notify the tenant. So we need to send this to the tenant. Now, the question is, do we make the tenant a user of this application? Can they come in, make changes? That's a good question. For now, let's believe that we at least notify the tenant through email, and maybe we could also send a letter. I don't know what's required in jurisdictions, but let's pretend that they'll allow us just to notify them via email. So the application, right, we can see the flow in our minds. If you can picture in PEGA, you've got a flow rule open. The first little green bubble, you've got an assignment, and then once the that the landlord takes care of filling out the form, they hit submit. We go on a connector to a send email shape. It sends an email to the tenant. And then we go to the next step in the connector, another assignment, let's say. And this assignment will be, uh, let's assign it to the landlord. I'm going to explain why I'm doing this. So we'll assign it to the landlord, you know, route the assignment to the landlord. And then we'll have an SLA on there for 72 hours. So what happens, the reason I'm putting an assignment there is this assignment will allow the landlord, if they do receive payment of rent, they can come in here and say, rent received, you know, cancel eviction. 
and then it'll cancel the case right there. No need to proceed further with the eviction. If not, if the landlord does not come in and take any action after 72 hours, the SLA will trigger moving the case to the next stage, which is the eviction proceeding stage. So if we review our case so far, it seems pretty good, right? The landlord, the two actors in the first stage, we have a landlord and tenant. The landlord comes in, fills out the form, hits submit, you know, uh, submits the assignment. It then goes to a email shape, emails the tenant, and perhaps even lets the tenant review the applic review the assignment, you know, review the case. I don't know if they're gonna again, don't know if they'll be an actor in this, but I guess for now we'll pretend that the tenant is not an actor in this application. They're just receiving an email. So the tenant now receives an email and they have 72 hours to, to act. The landlord receives payment. They can go in to the assignment and say, hey, I received payment. Let's cancel, withdraw the case, whatever action occurs. If no payment is received, no action occurs from the landlord, then the SLA is triggered or you know resolves after 72 hours and moves the case to the next stage, which is the eviction proceedings. Okay. So now the eviction proceeding stage, uh, this starts out with the landlord. Once the 72-hour notice is completed, the landlord now has to, in our process now, they have to physically go into the courthouse, fill out a form, and then once that form is complete, they can take that to a servicer to be serviced to the tenant, which could be the sheriff or any third-party servicer. Well, now, instead, the next stage is triggered, and the first so let's look at the first step in this new flow, this new process in the new stage. I say it's an assignment probably to the landlord because now the landlord needs to fill out a form for the court saying here's everyone's information, everyone involved, here's what's going on, here's how much money they owe me, or here's, you know, they had a dog on the property and they weren't allowed to have a dog and it chewed up this item and so I want to evict them due to this law, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, they fill out this form and then they hit submit. Now it's going to go to the court, right? I believe that it should probably get routed to the court as an actor. I don't know who that is, but you know, some representative from the court. It's routed to them, and they have to approve this or not. At least that was just the easy flow that I was thinking, that we would just have an approve or reject step right there, where it's routed to them, and they can approve or reject. If they reject, Maybe, I mean, you can talk about it, but maybe it just goes back and they can have a reject reason and it goes back to the, re. it re-enters that stage so that the landlord is back at the form and maybe they said, oh, you filled out some incorrect information and yeah, from there the landlord can then make the necessary changes to the form that the court requests. And maybe we'll also give the court the option to cancel the case with a reason saying, you know, this is not viable. I don't know, but for now, we won't go that in-depth. We'll just say that there's an approve-reject step where the court can approve it and move on or reject it, and the it just routes it back to the entry of that stage, routing it back to the landlord to review and make any changes that are necessary. So we've got this flow rule that we're looking at. It's got the first assignment shape that is assigned to the landlord, and then once that is submitted, we have a connector to another assignment shape. Oh, no, no, sorry, not an assignment. It's a approve, deny, or approve, reject shape. 
and this will route to the court actor. And then once the court approves, the next step would be an assignment back to the landlord, and they can now choose their servicing option, which we would have third-party servicers would be able to register for this application or the sheriff's office. So now we have another actor. It would be this servicer, whether it's some third-party agent or the sheriff's office again, we don't know, but we'll assign it to the servicer. But before that, this assignment is routed to the landlord, like I said, and the landlord can choose a servicer and likely proceed with payment because they'd have to pay the servicer to do the service. So now we're in that assignment shape. The landlord chooses a servicer, makes payment, and submits the assignment. It then will now create an assignment for the servicer. That's what I'm thinking, right? It gets routed to this servicer. They now have a case in their queue saying, hey, here's the you know notice that you need to deliver. Um, now we can have the discussion if they need to actually physically service it or we can just have it delivered via email. Let's stick with the courts would probably still demand it be physically serviced. So let's stick with that and say, all right, now we're still going to do that where they get the form and it's printable, right? Printable PDF or whatever. The servicer can print it out. Again, in the case flow, they're just sitting on this assignment. They open the assignment and it just says, you know, print off notice. They print it off. Now this is all done external to the application, right? They would physically go deliver the note. And once they've delivered it, they can then come back, log into the application and say the note was delivered. So now once they deliver the note and it's been serviced, the case needs to go to the next stage, which is going to be the, or sorry, not the next stage, just the next step. We're still going to be within the same flow because it's it was assigned to the servicer and now it's going back to the court because the tenant and the landlord have now been given a date and they need to show up to court on a certain date. So let's leave it with the court. That date comes, the court has the case, the landlord and tenant come, and now we have that option of the tenant shows up and decides to contest the eviction or they decide not to contest the eviction. Let's continue with the idea that they decide not to contest the eviction because, like I said, I think if they contest the eviction, we can do an alternate stage, perhaps, or just a sub-process, maybe. Anyways, let's say they do not contest the eviction, so we're going to proceed with eviction proceedings. Now, again, the tenant can make an agreement or something and that with the landlord, hey, let me pay you 50% of what I owe you, and I'll move out today. And the landlord can accept or reject that, whatever they want to do. But the point is, we do need to have the ability for people to cancel or withdraw the case at certain points. Maybe not cancel, but resolve, right? Because in this situation, you come to the court and the eviction can be the eviction case can be resolved right then. If the tenant shows up and the landlord show up in front of a judge and they say, hey, do you want to contest the eviction to the tenant? The tenant says, no, I would not like to contest it, but I'd like to make an agreement with the landlord right now that I pay 60% of my rent and I move out tomorrow. And then the landlord can either say, yes, let's do that, or no, let's continue with the eviction proceedings. So there has to be that option that if the landlord and tenant come to an agreement, that the case can be resolved right there. So we will have to add that in. I don't know if that's a sub-process maybe, because that's not, for me, the full eviction main flow is going to be going with evicting the tenant. 
So in this situation where you're not following the eviction, I would assume that we'd probably do some sort of local action, perhaps, that the court, right, the court has the assignment right now. They open the assignment, say, when the two parties are present, the landlord and the tenant, and they come to an agreement so they can click, you know, agreement reached, and they would say the terms of the agreement, tenant will pay this, landlord accepted, and then they would submit that and it would resolve the case and we would have those notes on the case. So that's that's a possibility, but let's just continue with the main flow of the case. And let's say that the tenant chooses not to contest the case and we now get a judgment for eviction or whatever that's called, maybe not judgment. We The landlord can now evict the tenant. Again, not immediately, but they now have the right to get the tenant evicted within a certain time frame. So both parties leave. So let's look at the case again, the flow. Now, like I said, I think that the court has the assignment and they would then say, okay, the, the case is now going for eviction. They would add their notes and they would submit the assignment. And if they choose that it's going to eviction, we would now go to the next stage. So this is stage number three. Again, this is a rough design. But stage three would be the actual eviction stage where just the process of the eviction is being carried out. So to begin the eviction stage, we should probably route it to the sheriff because, right, the sheriff is going to be handling the eviction. And so the very first assignment will be notifying them, hey, you have an eviction, here's the information. And then they will, from there, they can just wait, I guess, the 72 hours. So we'd put a SLA on there or whatever time frame, but usually it's, it's about three days that they have to wait from when an eviction is granted to when they can actually physically evict. So then the assignment is routed to the sheriff's office and they have a 72 hour SLA on there and it just sits there and then 72 hours and if the then 72 hours later they would get the assignment it would let's say it goes that assignment now goes to a new assignment. No, no, no. Let's let's stay on that assignment. We can just have the SLA deliver like a notification or maybe raise the urgency to the sheriff's office so it moves up in their queue. Anyways, they've now been notified and I guess we have to ask the question of right here, usually the landlord still has to say, hey, the tenant is still there, can you please come evict? So sheriff's office don't don't generally come and automatically evict. The landlord still has to come and request that they follow through on the eviction. So we'll have to, perhaps this should actually be routed to maybe the landlord even right? I mean, if we're looking at this, where the landlord is the one that actually needs to keep with the eviction to actually move it along, it's not the sheriff's office. Let's think about this then. The very first stage is going to be, let's say we assign it, actually, instead of assigning it to the sheriff's office, the first step in that stage is assignment. Let's say we assign it to the landlord. So now the landlord it has a 72-hour SLA on it. When that SLA comes due, it increases the urgency or sends an email to the landlord. And now the landlord can go check with the tenant, go check in, see if there's any need for an eviction or not. So if they're now what the assignment is going to be is the landlord needs to say, yes, there is a need for an eviction or no, there is not. No, there is not a need. We will resolve the case, right? If they say, yes, there is a need for an eviction, then they would say that and submit it. And now we need a way to notify the sheriff's office that they need to proceed with the eviction. So this sounds like an assignment to me. Maybe send an email to the sheriff's office, send a note, whatever. 
some sort of notification, but the point is they need to have the eviction assigned to them. That way they have the information and they know when to evict. So now we had that in the eviction stage, we have the first step is in the first step, there's an assignment to the landlord with an SLA for 72 hours or whatever timeline. This passes, the landlord says, yes, we need to continue with eviction. The tenant is still there. Then it is now submitted. And the next, we have another assignment shape that is routed to the sheriff's office. So now the sheriff's office receives this case. They get an email, whatever it is. They go in, they now have the information. Perhaps they print it off. I don't know what they're going to want to do with this information. But the point is they can now go and dispatch a deputy to go remove someone from the place. Uh, they go physically, you know, remove the people, physically evict the people, and now they've completed it. So they come back to the application, to the assignment, and it gives them the option to say, you know, eviction complete. They say eviction complete, put in whatever notes they need to add or whatever, you know, information, and they submit it. And now our case is resolved and completed. And we just completed the happy path of our overall design for our eviction application. Again, it was very rough. And I think before I close out this, I'd like to also visit, like I said, the potential for that alternate stage. If the tenant comes, when both the tenant and the landlord have to appear in court, if the tenant decides to contest the eviction, what do we do from there as far as our application is concerned? And I think that that should be an alternate stage because let's go through it. We have the, we're back in the second stage, the eviction proceeding stage or the court proceedings. And we're at the assignment shape assigned to the court. Both tenant and landlord appear and they say, does the tenant want to contest the eviction? They say yes. Then the, because they can't come to an agreement, the court has the assignment. So they say, yes, the tenant wants to contest the eviction. And now it will, and they submit it, it will route them to an alternate stage where the first step is, the first assignment is going to be that they need to collect more information from the tenant. The tenant needs to provide some evidence, you know, whatever it is that they have, receipts, proof that they paid, whatever. And now from here, perhaps this is something that we can bring our advanced technical perspective. Instead of just collecting all this information at the court, we then assign it, this assignment is routed to the tenant and the tenant is able to now, maybe they have 24 hours or something that they can go home, collect their receipts, take pictures of them, upload them as attachments to the application, make videos, whatever it is they want to add. They can add more evidence to the case on their own outside of the court using the application. So let's say that it does that. We're in this alternate stage. We're in this assignment is assigned to the tenant to contest. They have a 24 hour SLA, let's say they can add information to it at once that 24 hours has lapsed, it will then automatically move to the next step or so that the tenant can no longer add information to the case. And that next step is just going to be the assigned to the court, routed to the court, because now we have our court case, whatever timeline later in between and Oh yeah, let's also say at the beginning of this alternate stage, it'll send out emails and notifications to the both the tenant and the landlord, letting them know this is when your court case date is, blah, blah, blah. So now we're back in court and the assignment is assigned to the court. And now again, it's handled like it was before. They, they come to an agreement, they come to eviction, whatever happens, 
if they decide on eviction still, that they can't come to an agreement, then the case would be routed back to the normal um, the normal flow. Uh, since we're in an alternate stage now, we'd go back to the primary stages, and we go to that third stage to continue the full eviction proceedings because, right, they... They decide in court, no, this needs to be handled as an eviction. They cannot come to an agreement, and we proceed with eviction. So we're back to our main case flow, and we've already designed that. Great. But let's say that they come to an agreement. Then again, we have that uh, local action that we can trigger. The, the court has the option to trigger to say, hey, they came to an agreement. Here's all the information around it. Done. Or the third option now is that the tenant actually wins out and they say that the eviction is not legal the landlord cannot proceed with eviction and the tenant you know has all their legal rights to continue on they did not violate their contract so in this option i think that we just stay in our alternate stage and perhaps we would resolve the case right we would have some notes but we would resolve the case with probably a different um, a different status instead of resolved evicted that we could do for our normal uh, case flow, we could do resolved, not evicted, or <laughs> I don't know, resolved uh, eviction canceled, perhaps. That could be one of our options that we can do with all of our sub-processes. Anyways, I thought that I would go through that whole flow. I think that was pretty good. It was really high-level design. I did most of that kind of on the spot. I hope that you guys challenged some of my ideas because I hope that I explained the business process well enough that you were able to kind of formulate a design in your mind. And then when we came to my design, you could say, hey, those were some good pieces that he did. Or I disagree. I think that those SLAs were a poor idea. Or notifying the tenants via email. You know, maybe we could use a mobile application and push. You know, I'm really hoping that you guys had some good ideas there, some good design ideas. But I, I hope I was able to trigger some thoughts in you, get you thinking about some Pega design. And yeah, I think that in the next Pega, in the next episode of the Pega Deep Dive podcast, I'm going to go deeper into this application. Maybe we'll go into that first stage and really look into, you know, just designing it just so you guys can think with me as we design it and maybe get real detailed designing some screens and things. But again, thank you so much for listening. Please go ahead, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn if you like the podcast or if you have any comments. Otherwise, thanks again, and I'll see you in the next episode.